they come in and I just am like, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do? And she kind of gave me an ultimatum and was just like, okay, you either need to like stop or, or we're not going to be together. I said, you know, the greatest thing is that I don't mean to like get a little choked up, but I said, the greatest thing is you'll never have to see the job. The journey to sobriety can mean many different things to many different people. For this dad, it meant kicking over a decade's worth of drinking and drug habits into the gutter. It's a story of resilience and dedication, and an acknowledgement that he's unlikely to deal in the space of balance to moderate his relationship with alcohol, because his mindset often leaves him all in or all out. Nate tells his raw story, the secrets of his career success, and his future ambitions for his own son. This is Father Forward. I am delighted to welcome my good friend, Nate Goodger. How are you, Nate? Dandy. Good to be here. Is Dandy a British word? I mean, it is, but just never say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely. It's really good to have you. We've known each other on, mainly on LinkedIn for four years. We've actually had a podcast together as well before, right? Yeah, we've done a lot of things together. We have done a lot of things. We've we spent a lot of time together over the last few years. On our call last week, when we were talking about like where we're up to in life and work, which inspired this episode of, of the podcast, I actually realized that all we've spoken about really for the last few years is just worky stuff, isn't it? I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about family and and I've stopped you calling football soccer on numerous occasions, including about eight minutes ago. But we've never gone like, there's never been like a layer deeper to understand like yeah. your background. I know we've kind of spoken a little bit here and there about like who you are and, but it's really only been work, hasn't it? Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot behind the scenes. That's for sure. There is a lot. There's a lot. And there's, and the, and the whole point of this, I guess there's two points. So there's, we want to motivate dads, but we also want to talk about the dads who have been through kind of adversity and tackled it and like come out the other side and built a really strong career off the or out of the other side of the adversity, which is something that you've clearly done. So let's get into it. I want to go down the rabbit hole. That is Nate Goodyear. Okay. Where did it, where did it okay up? Where were you born? Where did you start life? Born and raised in a town called Santa Maria, California. It is a mid-sized, mid-sized California town, central coast. Good, very good childhood. Actually, yep. like a great childhood. I, you know, what I, one thing I recently told my parents, I was thinking about this kind of like, you know, my, my son now is eight years old. He and I have a really close relationship. And I was like, what? Like, what do I want when he gets older? Like, what do I want from him? You know, it's kind of hard as a parent, you know, especially like you kind of set these expectations that like, you know, is my kid going to owe me, you know? What are they going to, like, what do I want? And then I started reflecting on my childhood and growing up with my parents. And I, and the thing I thought about my parents at this point was like, they're off the hook. Like they're like, they are off the hook. They did a great job. I had, I have amazing memories growing up. I have a great relationship with them now. And like, they are done. Like, they don't need to worry as a 
parent now about like, did I do all the right things raising my kid? And so I was with them. I was alone with them not that long ago. And I told them and I said, hey, I just want you guys to know that you guys are like, you guys are off the hook. I, I had, I have great memories. I had a great childhood. Our relationship is great. I just want you guys to know that. And they like really appreciated that, you know, because I think as a parent, you even like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of weeks, you know? And it's like, even then, you know, my mom's still, she texts me every single day. She texts me good morning and she texts me good night. And sometimes in the middle of the day, she texts me just like random shit. But like, she still looks at me like I'm her little boy. And so I think she still, especially her, worries about like, did I do everything I could do? You know? And so I said to them, like, you guys are off the hook. And I, and I think I, I hope to achieve that one day with my kid where he's just like dad or mom and dad or whatever. Like, you guys are off the hook. You don't need to worry about anything. Because I don't think that's like all that common necessarily. So that, that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. So, so, I raised, so I grew up, great childhood, like all the stuff, man. I grew up with, like on a cul-de-sac with like kids on my street and we played outside. Like it's like the whole thing, you know, it was like, it was wonderful. I had, I had great high school, great time in college, like all that stuff. I think like the one thing though that, was like, I was a product of my environment where the town that I grew up in, I didn't know this until later on, but there is just a very high percentage of like drinking of like lots of alcohol consumption, like just kind of like in my town, it kind of just like comes with the territory, you know, it's like, and so I started drinking at like a really like pretty early age for me. I mean, uh, it, or for me, for like, I guess for like, kid that I grew up with. I started drinking when I was like 15, maybe like pretty heavily, just like weekends, parties, stuff like that, because it was just kind of like what we did, you know, like uh, that made high school super fun. <laughs> I had a lot of friends and it was just like every weekend was just like, whose party are we going to go to? Where are we going to go? Whatever, you know, and uh, go ahead. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Did you, what, could you feel yourself changing at that point? So it sounds like you were like really well protected by your mom and dad? You know, I was, but at the same time, my parents, and I think the reason I've always had such a close relationship with them is because when my parents, my, my parents, when my parents were young and even at that time were very much like me, my sister, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. Like she's very different than me. She's never, she, to this day, she's never had a drop of alcohol in her life. And she's two years younger than me. And so, so my parents, I think, could like, could relate to me because they were very much like me. So I grew up in this like household where like, they were, everything was just like out in the open, you know, like, and when I got to the point, like even like later on in, in high school, like I was like, we were having parties at my house. Like I was drinking with my dad, you know, like, like that kind of a thing. It was just like a very like lively, fun kind of environment. And I think my parents were just like, yeah, like we did all that stuff. And at the time, my dad was still doing all that stuff, especially. And so oh, that kind of, so high school was super fun. Went into college. I, I mean, I went to, I went to a big party school in the United States, University of Arizona. And at the time, I mean, it was like late nineties, like, I mean, like late nineties, big college. Like it was like, there, there was like no rules at the time, you know, I was in a fraternity. It was just balls to the walls all the time. 
going as hard as you can. School was like class and shit was secondary. Like it was like, I don't know. It was an afterthought. So, so you're at University of Arizona. Yeah. You're, nope. you've, you've already got a solid kind of three years drinking behind you. So there's no issue there with hangovers, right? What did you study there? Yeah. So this is like, I'll just give it to you. I'll give, give you all of it. So hold on. Let's backtrack yeah. a little bit. When I graduated high school, I, I wanted to go, I wanted to go to, to, to a school that was like pretty close to my hometown. A few of my buddies were going there. My parents wanted me to move away. They were like, you need to like get out of the town you grew up in, get away, go experience. To their credit, it was like, they were really self-aware about that. So I ended up actually going to a private school, a small private college up in the Bay Area of California. So about, you know, maybe four hours away from where I grew up. And so I went there, small school. And, you know, I, I took my behaviors and I plucked them into a private, like, kind of like religious college, you know, and uh, that didn't fit well, let's just say. And so I made it through a year there. I got in quite a bit of trouble that first year in the college dorms just by just partying too much and doing all that kind of, you know, kind of stuff. So I had like a lot of, let's just say I built up a record my freshman year. So then going into my sophomore year at that school, you live on campus. Like a lot of the years you're there, it's a small school and they have like really like nice, like student apartments and stuff like that. So I was living in the sophomore dorms in like a little communal thing with some buddies and I was doing my party thing. And then like, I was, I was at the point where if I had like one more infraction, it was going to get like, there was going to be some pretty severe consequences. So I did, of course, I got myself in trouble again and I ended up getting kicked off of campus. I can still go to school there, but I can't live there. All right. So I go, I go and I'm like living in this apartment off campus. And they said like, you can't go back to that dorm. Like you're banned from going there. Right. Well, one night I get super junk with a buddy of mine. And like, of course we go visit our buddies on campus, whatever. We're cooking this like pizza in the, in like the little communal kitchen, whatever. I'm like totally wasted. End up burning the pizza, sets up the fire alarm, right? The, they come in. And I just am like, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do? And I look, I look at the, the RA, right? Like the person in charge of the dorms or whatever. I just look at her and I go, you cannot turn me in because if you do, I'm going to get kicked out of school. And she just looked at me. She said, that's your own fault. And I'm like, no shit. The next day I get a call. No. Come in, whatever. Yeah. And they ended up kicking me out of school. And, you know, at that point, you know, I was just like, what am I going to do? Like, this is you know, this is a huge deal, whatever. So I called my parents and my parents basically just said like, okay, you're not coming home. You need to like get a job. We'll figure this out. But like, but you're just like not coming home. Like you've got to, you got to stay there in your apartment and like make this work. So my buddy and I both got kicked out together. We started looking at schools. And at the time, there was only a couple schools to apply to. And it was like Arizona State, University of Colorado, a couple schools in Washington, whatever. So we applied to all of them. We actually get into all of them. And he goes out and he like tours the school. He calls me from Arizona and he goes, this is where we're going. And I'm like, great. And the reason we applied to Arizona was that great sports program. At the time, their basketball team was just like top of the nation. And we knew they had like really good looking girls. And that was it. Like, we're just like, yeah, we're in, you know? So 
so we go to Arizona, man. And like Arizona is just like freaking free reign, you know? You're just it's like fun in the sun and it's like off the chart. So it was like the perfect way for me to continue my onslaught of just like raging, you know? And so once I got there, I just like leveled up everything. I, that's when I got into drugs and it was, it was four more years of just like complete debauchery. You were, so we, I know we've spoken about this before and all the time that we've been talking for the last three, four years, you've been like, you've been sober, haven't you? You've not had like, any alcohol, any drugs, anything for the last like four years. Oh, so as long as we've been speaking, but how long has it been now since you had a drink? Yeah. yeah since I was 29. And you are uh, 49 next week, two weeks. Yeah. I had one relapse. I went like three years and then I had one relapse one night. You know, you go, if for anybody who's been, who, who's been sober, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're just like, eh, maybe I've grown out of this or something, you know, like you just, you kind of test the waters and like, man, that was a bad, that was a bad situation. But uh, yeah, so I've had one relapse, but I quit when I was 29 because I graduated school. I, uh, I stayed in, I bounced around a little bit, but whatever. I wait, made my way back to Arizona. And, and I met a girl and like, we moved in together and we were living together. And like, at that point I was like in my, you know, in my late twenties and I had just been, I had been drinking and just partying so hard for quite a long time that it was just, it was pretty much like my identity. It was my life. You know, I mean, I was known in my fraternity as like, like the wildest guy, you know, and that's just kind of what everybody knew me as. And it, but it started to change, you know, it was like. It was me being the fun, social kind of guy to then like other parts of my personality would come out later on in, in life that was kind of dark and destructive and stuff. And especially like when drugs were involved and like, so we got to a point where she, we had, I had a really bad night and she just, she kind of gave me an ultimatum and was just like, okay, you either need to like stop or, or we're not going to be together. So yeah. So like, I just like, so I stopped and it really sucked. And I really, at 29, I was like, I had no idea who I was. Not like no idea. Mm. It was like, fuck, who, but can you take this piece away from me? Which is basically what I center my entire life around. It's my entire social life. It's, I couldn't imagine doing anything that didn't involve drinking. I'm like, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go play golf with my buddies? How am I going to go to a concert? How am I going to do like literally do anything if the, you know? And so it took me about, it took me like at least two years to get comfortable with myself. So those first two years were really hard. I had to like reacquaint myself with like all of the thoughts. I mean, cause it was like, there was no escape for me. I had to like, all the thoughts in my head were just there. Like I couldn't let go. I'm like a total, like we can talk about like the health stuff, you know, like, and like my dedication to like the, my, like, you know, like the physical activity and all that stuff I do in my life. Like I'm like hardcore about stuff. Like I don't do things halfway. And so not being able to let go anymore, which, which like drugs and alcohol would just, they would give me the like, oh, the exhale. I don't give a fuck. I can eat shitty food. You know, I can skip a workout. I can do, I can like smoke cigarettes. I can do whatever I want. But when I didn't have that there, dude, it was just like, I felt like a maniac. And so I'm 
what was the worst point for you during that period of life? Because it sounds like you're basically fueled by like beer and drugs. And so what was the, and you probably didn't realize it was the worst point. I guess hindsight's the thing, isn't it? In these situations where you say, oh shit, I can't believe I had a night like that. Um, oh yeah. What was the, what was it in hindsight when you look back now? Where how bad was it? It was, you know, what I ended up doing was I got to a point where, gosh, any there's some people will be able to relate to this, where you can't have one group of friends who keeps up with you all the way. Yeah. So what you end up doing is you have the different pods of friends who are involved in different things. So what I would do is I would have my I would have my friends from college who like I, I lived in this like same area as them. So I'd have them who I could party with like on the weekends. Then I'd have friends who were down to go out during the week. And then I had friends who did drugs. But like it was very rare that any of those groups all interacted together because they were all kind of separate. So what I would do is like I would kind of like bounce between them. Sometimes I would bounce between them like all in one day. Sometimes it would be like throughout the week or whatever. But like when you step back and you think about that, you're just like, oh my God, I am like somebody different to all these people, you know? And some of those people like you for different reasons, but, it's, but what ended up happening was my friends who couldn't keep up with me and just saw me continuing to go, like my relationships with them became like really strained. But the thing that really sucked was that when I gave it all up, I went to one of my best friends from college. I went to his wedding. It was right after I got sober. And everybody knew that Nate got sober. It was like a big deal that like I got sober. And I was like, oh man. So I go to the wedding and I'm in the wedding, right? Which is hard. Because like when I would be in a wedding, me and the guys who were in the wedding would start drinking many hours before the wedding even started. Right. It was just like an all day, all night kind of a thing, you know? And like, I couldn't do that. So I'm in the wedding and like, they didn't know how to relate to me. It's like, they felt so insecure around me because they were like, you know, he's a different person. And that was really weird. That was really awkward. And like, as a result, I mean, most of my close relationships from high school and college are like no longer like intact. Like, I just don't have those relationships anymore because the one thing that kept us together was the fact then we could all drink together. Yeah. Anyway. What was the, what, how did you then, because that sounds, I mean, you were in a pretty bad spot there. How do you then go from that place to a guy that doesn't miss a day running, always exercising, like doing really well in his career, founded a couple of companies, and you pretty much transformed everything, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I just like, I became really into just other things. So I, let's see, I got into like, I did the journey through like self-development where, you know, I started with like kind of like surface level self-development stuff. And then I got like really deep into like very like kind of complex spiritual concepts and stuff like that. Reading like, like ancient yogi texts and stuff like that. I went through that period. I went through a period of like, like very dedicated, like 
meditation. And I started, I just like, I kind of started, you know, it was like, well, I have that switch and I'm, it's a blessing and a curse. The blessing of the switch that I have is like when it is on and it's always on now, when I don't have anything to stop it is that I just go like all in on stuff. So it's like, so, so I got into, I started eating healthier and then I became a vegan, which I can talk all about that and like why I actually don't even think it's like a healthy way for people to eat. But like, so I became a vegan. And then once I got into that, it wasn't even about, it wasn't about environmental issues or ethical issues or things like that. I think there are, I think there are very important conversations about those things that like need to be had. But that's not, that wasn't my driver. It was pure health, right? So like I started experimenting with it. Then I got into the, to the vegan community and I realized like, whoa, there's like different versions of this. There's different ways to eat, different. There's like extremely high carb, low fat. There's like a keto version of vegan. There's like all these variations that I'm like, like, yeah, I can do these all. So, so like, so dude, I went on an all fruit diet for a long time and I was following like these high carb, like low fat people. I've done like, like I said, like the keto version, like the high protein version. I've done so many different versions and it's like my personal thing that I can control. And so like I tweak my diet and I'm like monitoring my blood and all this, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And it just became this thing that I could like control and own that like nobody else had needed to worry about. And, and so, and then I started running because I was going to do this relay race. So I started training. I fell in love with running. And then, and then that led me to like different types of exercise and functional fitness and all this stuff. And it's like, I just like, I just get so, I'm so into it. And I, and at the same time, it is a hundred percent about the discipline that it takes to, to, in order to achieve it. Like I, when I can have like, I like. This is going to sound, this isn't true, but it's the way that I actually operate. I think that I can out-discipline anybody. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And so it doesn't matter if that's true or not true. It's the fact, it's like I get, I am driven by the discipline about like what it takes to do something hard that other people aren't willing to do so I can achieve something that they can't. And so that like, that like drags me. Was that, was that was the only thing about running that was that, that can't have been the only thing about running you enjoyed though. Cause that's the running's I found running a bit of a thankless task. Like, is there anything, are there any reasons you in, you particularly enjoy it? Running specifically? Yeah. So I trail run. Trail running is very fun. And fun, fun isn't the right word. It's fun at sometimes, but it's, you're constantly like changing terrain. You don't have to go extremely long distances in order to like, to just like blow it out. It's hills, it's uphill, it's downhill, it's rocky, it's technical. It, you're just like, you're not just going in a straight line. So it keeps you occupied. And at the same time, I, I've never, I've always listened to audio while I exercise. So I, way back in the day, I used to listen to audiobooks, but I'm a podcast junkie. And so, so I don't listen to music when I exercise. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing kettlebells, body weight stuff, or I'm doing, you know, mountain biking or whatever. It's like, I listen to podcasts 
And uh, it just allows me, like, I think, and I kind of, I just consume, I can consume so much information that way. And uh, yeah, it's just like, it just works for me. What's, uh, you've got the, and I'm actually really glad you stopped with that, like lifestyle in your twenties. Cause I can, you can see why people easily get consumed by that way of life. Can't you throughout all the thirties, forties, and just continue drinking because it's a break from the norm, isn't it? Like it's fun. Whilst you're I, I, you know, it is, I miss it. I totally do. And that sounds. Well, that, well, that was going to be my question. Though. I was like, which, which, when you look back and observe it now, what lifestyle do you prefer more? Cause you're in this like real clean living, healthy lifestyle now where you're focused on family and work versus fun day in the twenties. Like, what do you prefer? What do you prefer? I mean, or is the answer actually you look back at things with hindsight and more fondness and you think, well, actually it was way more fun then, but it really. It's, yeah. You know, I live in a college town and, uh, and so, so I'm surrounded by college kids. I live in a neighborhood that's close to our like downtown. And so in my neighborhood, it's kind of this mix of families, college kids, you know, this, you know, kind of thing. And then I can walk downtown and our downtown is like, it's basically bars, restaurants, and boutiques, right? It's just like, it's built for college and it's great. And I, in my town, I lived here during like part of my heyday and I've had a lot of fun at all those places. And I have a lot of memories there. And if I, you know, there are many times where we will go downtown to go eat or shop or do whatever. And I see people out on the patios drinking and, you know, it's like the middle of the day and, or whatever. And I'm just like, that looks so fun. Like, like that is so fun. That is the epitome of just letting it all go. Have it like. There, because there, the reality is with it, especially with alcohol, also with some drugs, but like, but there, there are things that you can do with alcohol that you just simply cannot do without it. You can, for somebody, let's just say, you can dance without giving a shit. You can have conversations with your buddies that you just aren't going to have without it. You can talk, you know, like you... It just opens you up. And I really miss that. I do. But I will go to that place of like, uh, I, to say I can't have it is kind of like, I, technically I can, but I really can't, you know? I said like, I'll never have that again. But then I remember what comes with it. And I can't go on a Saturday afternoon on a nice day, sit on a patio and have a pitcher of beer with a buddy and then go home. That's not how it works. My buddy might go home, but I won't go home and I'll, and I won't come home until four o'clock in the morning. And that's just the reality of what it's like to drink with me. And I can't have that. Like, I can't do that. You know, and my son now is old enough to know, like he, he knows and like, we, he kind of, we kind of joke about it, you know, about like, like what dad was like when he had when he drank beer and stuff like that. And I said to him, I said, you know, the greatest thing is that I don't mean to like get a little choked up, but I said, the greatest thing is you'll never have to see me drunk. And, and he's like, oh, but you sound fun. I go, yeah, buddy, I am fun, but you should never see your dad like that. And he was, and so, you know, it's like, as much as I missed that part of my life, it's like, 
I mean, I'm in a place where I'm probably overly dedicated to a lot of things, but the things that I'm overly dedicated to, like, have really made my life. I'm a really, I'm not like, I'm a good example. And, and that's like, I don't know, that's the most I can like wish for, you know? Tell you what, man, I never cried on the Concept Recruiter podcast. <laughs> should go back to those days. Oh man, that was, let me. So one bit of advice for Drew, the little man, what's the bit of advice that you're going to give him? Cause obviously they grow up fast, don't they? Smell those yeah. good tomorrow at the recording this and oh man, four years has just flown by. What do you leave Drew with when he disappears to college or high school for the first time? Yeah, the, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm worried that he might have that thing that I have. I think a lot, uh, of, a lot of what? A lot of kids have that kind of interest in terms of, I mean, you're talking about the relentlessness on this, on the topic, I guess you're talking about that thing, right? That drive, that dedication to follow through with something when you start it. Yeah. I mean, he's so much like me in a lot of ways right now. And I. Like there's a couple things. The thing I had with my parents was I could talk to them about anything and I never even had to worry about filtering myself. That made life as a young person like me so much easier. And like, I think we've created that kind of environment for him already where we talk about things in front of him that, I don't know, maybe other parents wouldn't, you know, it's just kind of, He's also an only child. He's always around. So it's kind of the way it goes. But yeah, it's like, it's that, you know, it's like, it sounds a little bit trite to say like, you can come to me about anything or you can say whatever you want, but it's like, truly, it's like, there pretty much isn't anything that he could do that I haven't done, you know? And, and so I just, I want him to, because I think that if he were to go down the road that I start, that I went down that he could, he knows that he could like talk to me. And I also like hope that like, see, my dad got sober. My dad got sober before me, but I had a lot of fun with my dad. We, we did, we did a lot of partying together. That's, and, the, um, that's the downside where you say, actually, we can't go for a beer together. Cause yeah, like that's, but is it a downside? I don't know. Cause there's plenty of other things now that you can do together. I think to be honest, I don't know what it's like in the States, but. There's a huge shift in the UK where kids now who are leaving school, high school, I just don't think they're that interested in drinking, to be honest. It was starting to happen when we were coming out of it, where we'd have like, you'd be going out much later, but you'd be pre-drinking and just getting really drunk. Yeah. Actually go and spend a fortune on a night out, for example. But totally, yeah. I think kids now are generally really like disinterested with drinking. I don't think there's an appetite to do it as much. I'm seeing that too. Yeah. I think so. And uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, you know, it's just like the openness. Like, I hope he, I hope that's what he takes with him. I mean, I don't know. I think my wife has different expectations for him than I do. I, she, but for me, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm fumbling my words a little bit because it's a hard thing, you know? You just like, you just want your kids to be happy. It's like, it, it, like that's what it comes down to. But you just want your kids to be happy. It's almost like, you know, you would, you detach all, all the other things from like what that means. And it's like, I don't think success 
is like, it's just like not about money. You and I have talked about this. Like, of course, like money makes things a lot easier. But, uh, but you know, we're talking about like young people, especially. And it's just like, I just want my kid to be happy. You know, like, I don't know what that looks like. Nay, we better wrap up. That note. But thank you so much for that. That was sweet. Look, when you're going back through such kind of emotional topics, isn't it? And you're kind of asking people to strip it back to the toughest days. It's never easy, but like, thanks so much for doing that. Because I know there are dads in the community as well who are just at that point of, they're probably drinking too much actually and not knowing where they're going in their own lives. And I know because I get the messages from the, and they asked me to cover these kind of topics on podcasts and things. This is a very real problem. And, and I think just telling that story can help a few dads in the community as well. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, of course, man. If anybody can reach out to me, it's, it's something that like, I, again, you know, right before we jumped on, we were talking like about something different, but it was just about like, when you take a step back, you just like, you kind of see like the real story behind it and how things kind of get like overly complicated. And stuff. And like, that's how I think about like, for me, sobriety is like, I'm very real about it. I'm very real about the fact that like, yeah, of course, like I fantasize about the idea of drinking and not like giving a shit and disconnecting from it all or whatever. Like it would be inauthentic for me to like act like that isn't true. Even after like whatever, however many years of sobriety, you know, it's like, but it's not like a daily struggle, but something I think about a lot, you know, doesn't rule my life or anything. It's just the reality, man. It's just like the way it goes, you know? And so like, I, I know people are struggling with that. I, last thing I posted one time, this was like a number of years ago, but I posted like, oh, today's my whatever day, like a sobriety, whatever, you know? And like, I had people DMing me from that post from college. People that guys I haven't talked to in forever who were like fraternity in like fraternity with me or whatever, who were just like, I'm struggling with this. Like, like, you know, it's so good for, to see you like doing that, whatever. I talked to a couple of them on the phone. And, uh, and so like, I'd love to help people because it's not something I get to do as often as I wish I could, but it's also a very important piece of my life that has like changed the entire trajectory of my life. Like it, like it is the thing that has allowed me to be who I am now. So we can, you're good if we link your LinkedIn is probably the best place to find you. Yeah, sure. Like DM me on LinkedIn. Nice. Yeah, of course. Cool. Anyway, hey. brother, thanks for all you're doing, man. This is really a great thing you're doing. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. All right. Bye.